Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is CMO Moves, the podcast that showcases the human side of game-changing marketing leaders. Hear their incredible journeys, the moves that they've made to get to the C-suite, and most importantly, their personal stories of how they got to be leaders of some of the world's most exciting brands. Enjoy the show. The CMO role has appeared on the verge of extinction almost since it emerged as a niche discipline in the 1990s. The position was forged as the widespread introduction of technology officers across all businesses shifted the balance of power among finance, sales, and marketing departments. The CMO was created to be at the hub, of the, at the center of a brand's varied constituencies. The challenge of assessing the value of the CMO has always been a problem. It's one reason why short tenures have tended to be the norm and get all the attention. Now, as roles like chief growth officer have become more prominent, there's a sense, not to be hyperbolic, that there's a CMO crisis. Uh, I'm happy to talk with someone who understands the role and its myriad challenges so deeply. Raja Rajamanar is MasterCard's chief marketing and communications officer and the president of its healthcare division. Raja, welcome to CMO Moves. Thank you so much. Really appreciate having me here on your show. Well, we definitely appreciate any time we get to talk to you. And so this idea of the CMO crisis, uh, what's, is there a CMO crisis? And if so, what's your sense of it? Or is it all overblown? Uh, undoubtedly, there is a CMO crisis. There's no question about it. In fact, I keep talking about it not just as a crisis, but as an existential threat that we are in. Uh, and you're absolutely right in terms of uh, the role being challenged in many, many different ways. So the first one I would say is that, you know, there were some surveys that were done amongst CEOs. 70% of the CEOs have expressed that they do not have confidence in their CMOs or in their marketing departments to drive business growth. 70%. 70%. That is, that a, is a disaster. Hmm. Number two, many of the CMO roles are also being eliminated as a result of which. Like, and these are not some vague, obscure companies which do not do marketing. These are blue chip companies. So you heard companies like Johnson & Johnson have eliminated the roles of CMOs. So that's number two. Number three, when I joined as a CMO uh, almost 36 years back uh, in the field of marketing, we used to be told that marketing was essentially of four Ps, the product, price, place, and promotion. Today, unfortunately, three of those four Ps are not managed by marketing. They're outside of marketing. So there is a shrinkage. 
And to your other point, which is that CEOs have started getting other C-suite executives, like chief revenue officer, chief customer officer, chief growth officer, and so on. And the question I would say is, if you take away revenue, growth, and customers, what else is left in marketing? Right? So all this points to this aspect of existential threat for CMOs and uh, something which I have actually written in my book, Quantum Marketing, as well, right in the uh, very initial introductory chapters. Perfect. Well, one of the challenges you've also spoken about uh, and, and I think touched on in the book is uh, this idea of brand purpose. And it's something that you've uh, you know, steered through recently in terms of the way that, that MasterCard's marketing has really touched the senses. And we'll, we'll get to that in a bit. But there's also this tension, uh, as, you, as you mentioned, about product and price being the traditional area of the CMO. As you said, mm-hmm. that there's been a kind of tectonic shift under the ground in which CMOs operate. So this idea of brand purpose is being uh, challenged by this need for greater performance. Uh, Purpose is hard to measure. Performance is all about measurement. And naturally, in tougher times, brands tend to gravitate towards that. So I wanted to get your sense about the value of of brand purpose right now, or is it being eclipsed by performance? Or can the two coexist? Must the two coexist? Yeah. uh, Firstly, I think it's a philosophical question as to whether a company should be purpose-driven or is being purpose-driven more a politically correct statement and stance that a company is taking, right? Now, the way I look at it is, uh, if you are wanting to be a good corporate citizen, it is not enough for you to just focus on your business performance and your return to your shareholders. So, in fact, along this line of thinking, the business roundtable uh, which is a collection of all the you know big companies in the U.S. and around the world. So they have come together to say, actually, we should expand our objectives as CEOs to not just be focused on shareholder returns and growth, but also in terms of being purpose-driven and satisfy other stakeholders in the entire ecosystem. So that's one part of it. Second, one of the premises with which people operate and question the need to be purpose-driven is they say, look, If you are purpose-driven, firstly, is it relevant to my business performance? And should you not be focusing single-mindedly on business performance when there is such a significant competitive pressure? Now, that's probably a very uninformed point of view. The reality is, if you look at consumers, a vast, overwhelming majority of consumers, 87%, are saying that they would go for brands which are purpose-driven. They would go for brands, even if the brands are slightly more expensive, everything else being similar, they would go for a brand which is more purpose-driven, which is doing some social good, which is fascinating. And this is even more so for the millennials and for the centennials. Now, any company worth its salt would look to its existence well into the future, which means you have to be, as a company and as a brand, uh, connecting with consumers who are young today, maybe they're not the biggest spenders. In many cases, they may be or may not be, but they are going to be critical for your future. So investing in a purpose-driven approach is not optional, and it is not just unrelated to the business realities. They are very well connected. The problem is, historically, many of the companies would focus on purpose-drivenness more by something like CSR. 
Now, CSR, unfortunately, has got a little bit of a flag to say that this is corporate social responsibility is more about giving the right sound bites for your CEO to make at important forums or for you to write in your annual reports. Now, that's not what CSR should be. But the point is, if you look at really purpose in its truest sense and in its broadest sense, it can be deeply powerful to run the core of your business. That happens when the purpose is completely integrated into the core of your business. And I'll give you just a, a quick example of what we are doing at MasterCard. Now at MasterCard, we say that our purpose is to connect everyone to priceless possibilities. It's everyone. It's not the rich and the famous. or It's everyone who do not even have access to the financial system today, the most underprivileged on the one hand, all the way up to the ultra high net worth individual. So the entire economic spectrum we cover. And we had, in 2007, I believe, when we became a uh, public company through IPO, 10% of these uh, stocks have been, or equity has been carved out, and a foundation has been formed out of Canada. It's called MasterCard Foundation. It's run as a separate company. We have nothing to do with that company, with that organization. They do something purely for philanthropic reasons, and I believe that this is the top, if not one of the top three, corporate philanthropic organizations. They have about 35 plus billion dollars of assets under management, 4% of which, which is about 1.4 billion, they spend every year for social good. So that's one beautiful part of our strategy. The second one, of course, we had our CSR, which was going on, but the third thing, which to me is a breakthrough that we have done, is we said, Purpose A is not optional, and purpose is not enough satisfied by just forming the foundation and having the CSR. But can we figure out a way of how purpose can drive our business by being an integral part of our business? So the first effort against uh, this kind in, in this direction was with Stand Up to Cancer Foundation. So we did research and found that a vast majority of people have experienced the horrible uh, reality of cancer, either by themselves for the, or somebody in their family or in their known circles has been affected by cancer. So we said, can we do something? Now, initially, there was a little bit of a ridicule, if you were, to say, MasterCard, you're a payments company, what, what have you got to do with uh, cancer research and all that? We said, look, it's not about what our core business is, it's what about our intent is. So we said, can we leverage the power of our network, the presence of our brand in a big way, to generate awareness for cancer and to help find cures for cancer. So we partnered with an organization called Stand Up to Cancer Foundation, which was formed by seven amazing ladies. And uh, they uh, were doing two things, exactly like what I have said, which is in terms of raising the awareness again around cancer and what you should do to prevent yourself, check yourself regularly and so on. And the second is how to fund cancer research to discover drugs. Typically, it takes about 12 years for one drug to move from the molecule stage all the way to FDA approval. Now, in the last several years, we have got more than eight drugs that were discovered and FDA approved. Now, that is something which is truly meaningful. Now, what happens is we try to bring it to life as follows. So in summers, we run promotion, saying that each time you use a MasterCard, in a restaurant category, or we define the category and change it every year. We say, for example, restaurant. Use your MasterCard at a restaurant. Each time you use it, a small percentage of the profit that we make will go to Stand Up to Cancer Foundation. Now, an ordinary consumer says, okay, it's no 
extra effort I have to do instead of pulling one card, I'll pull this card out, or instead of cash, I'll pull this card out, MasterCard out. And so they use their MasterCard. We have already contributed about $55 million for cancer research. Number two, we have done lots of cancer awareness programming. And like, for example, at the World Series and All Stars of MLB, with whom we have got a deep partnership, we created something called the Stand Up to Cancer Moment. So people all stand up with a placard of the person for whom they are standing up against cancer. And that's a very emotional kind of a uh, you know scenario. Plus, we are a network. So we have actually brought in some of our partners to also sort of contribute and be a part of it. Like we have got American Airlines, for example, or we got Fifth Third Bank. So these all, when they come together, the network power is so uh, you know, beautifully strong that eight drugs have come out in a, in a relatively short period of time. Likewise, we partner with the World Food Program, and we had sort of 100 million meals to poor children in Africa that we feed them. Uh, or we have launched an initiative called Priceless Planet. And in Priceless Planet, we promised to commit, uh, we, we committed actually to plant 25 million trees, 100 million trees by 2025. And we launched a card called Wildlife Impact Card. You know, this is just one point I like to mention on the Wildlife Impact Card. Normally on a card, you see there is an expiration date. So what we did is, instead of the regular expiration date, we put the expiration date of the species whose picture is shown on the card. When you see that, the reality hits you very hard in your face because, for example, if you see there is a beautiful animal called Sumatran tiger. So it's a big tiger. It's a beautiful beast. And it's getting extinct in less than three years from now. So we said this is not acceptable. So we partnered with Conservation International. And then whenever somebody is using this wildlife impact card, the proceeds actually go to, part of the proceeds go to Conservation International. And they try to rehabilitate the habitats, natural habitats of these animals. They try to put up defenses against the poachers and so on. So we're taking multitude of social causes and they're doing it. What happens as a result? Interestingly, if you look at the aspect of uh, stand-up to cancer and the restaurants, what happens there, interestingly, is that people shift significantly during the promotion period to spend on MasterCard. So normally, for example, the growth rate is coming at, say, 7% for restaurants category. When we run this promotion, it goes to 14% for us. But after the promotion is over, it doesn't go all the way back to 7, but it's somewhere between 7 and 14%. So we have a net gain. So this is a way we say, look, purpose is truly driving the business. So you follow your purpose, profits will follow. And, and to continue the alliteration, purpose is practical. You really showed how it, it really touches the consumer as well as partners that you work with. And it's not just sort of a nice thing to have. It is, it is not an option, as you said. Exactly. And, and you touched on the idea of purpose is really about the future and, uh, and stakeholders, as you mentioned about the business roundtables uh, shift in policy and focus <laughs> a few years ago to really focus on the connection between the people who work at a company and how they feel about it. That emotional connection that's driven by purpose is so, is so essential. Mm -hmm. And so that goes into the, ex the next question that, that CMOs have to deal with. The idea of, of, of talent and, and obviously talent and hiring is still a struggle across all, all businesses, all, all levels of, of work. Um, so for, but for, you know, to ground the conversation in the marketing context, is there a challenge in that, that marketers are, that are, ha that marketing departments are having in terms of finding new talent? 
So in fact, you touched upon the point, which is talent, that keeps me awake every night. So marketing as a field has become incredibly complex. So it's not sufficient for you to just be a good performance marketer today or just be a good brand marketer today because marketing is being transformed at an unprecedented level by a, a slew of new technologies which are coming, 24 different technologies. Each one of them is incredibly powerful, like artificial intelligence, augmented reality, virtual reality, blockchains, cryptocurrencies, whole bunch of areas which are impacting marketing significantly, whether you see it today or not. Now, if you are a good marketer, you need to understand all these technologies. And to understand them, you need competencies and aptitude that lends itself for you to be able to grasp those subjects. So you have now become tech savvy. Then data is going to be incredibly critical, both for targeting and effectiveness measurements and connecting the dots between marketing actions and business outcomes and so on. So you need to be data savvy. And of course, you need to have all your regular stuff, which is you need to be good at strategy, uh, and you need to understand psychology, design, sociology, anthropology, all these fields. So literally, you're talking about somebody who is like a Leonardo da Vinci to really be effective. But if there is a Leonardo da Vinci indeed available out there, they don't necessarily want to join marketing. They want to join a startup or they want to join a consulting firm or they want to join an investment bank or whatever. So marketing is not their first choice. So finding the right talent and attracting them to join marketing as a field and joining your company at that, it's like three levels of challenges, which is very, very, very challenging at this point in time. And what I would say is, to connect back to your previous point, many of the top talent would want to join a company that is truly purpose-driven. So in fact, today, though we might not be the highest paymasters as MasterCard, we still are able to attract wonderful talent because they would like to work for a company that is truly walking the talk and that's truly working on purpose and being purpose-driven. So this is one part of it. The second thing I would say is from a talent perspective, when you don't have ready-made Leonardo da Vinci's available, you need to invest on your team. You train them across multiple areas, give them educational opportunities. Now, I started a series where, for example, behavioral economics is being taught to my entire team by professors coming from the academia and then telling them, hey, this is what behavioral economics is. These are examples, how we can use it. And we got it's now running in its second year. And these are intense programs, right? So that's one kind of a thing. The other thing, we started a book club. So I read the book, I recommend the book that I like, and then we have discussion about the book, and then I call the author of the book to come and interact with my team, which is real, really insightful. That's the second kind of a thing. Third, we are actually thoughtfully going about job rotations for people to go into other areas outside of marketing so that they come back very enriched. Like for example, I had the opportunity very early on in my career, though I was a marketer, at some point my boss told me it would be good for you to get a stint in sales. Now, I hated it when he suggested that I have to go into sales. But then I'm so glad that he pushed me into it and that I went into it. And the three years, three and a half years I spent in sales was life transforming to me because it gave me a complete different perspective, completely different perspective of what marketing was and what marketing effectiveness really means where the rubber hits the road. 
that was absolutely amazing experience. Or 50% of my career, I managed businesses, business P&Ls. So I then could really see it's marketing is not just for marketing sake, but you're connecting the dots between marketing and the business. So I think as a business person, when you go through that experience of managing P&L, you don't start complaining when your budget gets cut. Oh, my budget got cut because you would have done the same thing if you are in the business manager's place. So how do you make yourself and your function more useful and valuable to drive more business for the company? Your approach changes pretty significantly. So I think this kind of cross-functional rotations is something which we should be investing in and we are doing uh, as a company. So these are some of the things that we are doing to sort of enrich and uh, give a good, well-rounded uh, grounding to my team across different areas. So this is very much work in process and we got a long journey ahead of us. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Well, speaking of, of being cross-functional, uh, one of the things that's fascinated me about the marketing of, of MasterCard is that, for the most part, as a consumer, you, you generally think of, of your, your card as, as a tool to get you these products that you also have a feeling about. And, you know, sometimes you think it's the challenge is how to make sure that, that the card is, is tangible and that it's not just, uh, you know, just something you can interchangeably use. And one of the things that's fascinated me over the past, uh, I think two years is the multi-sensory approach, this idea yep. of MasterCard engaging your sense of taste your sense of smell, your sense of, of touch. And that also obviously touches into brand purpose. So I was wondering if you could give me a sense of what that multi per, multi-sensory experience has meant from a, a branding perspective. Very happy to. So this is a topic uh, which is close to my heart. And uh, we have been doing a lot of uh, fundamental research, if you were, into how people receive information, how they process information, and how they act. So normally marketers have been focusing on two senses, the sense of sight and the sense of sound to communicate to customers. Uh, and the problem is today, when every band is trying to do the same thing, consumers are uh, sort of oversaturated with information and communication from brands through these two senses. So it's been estimated that the average number of ads, an average human being, encounters on a daily basis is anywhere between 3,000 and 10,000. Even at the very lowest end, you're talking about 3,000 ads you are exposed to every day. What, why you don't realize is because you have already turned your, tuned off. 
So you don't even notice those ads and they're all sort of trying desperately to click, get your attention. Now, two things we started actually uh, looking at. One is I was asking the question, how can we make sure that we get noticed through the existing two senses of sight and sound? How do we optimize them for customer attention, customer engagement, and generating the right feelings and emotions in people's hearts and minds to be able to really prefer my product over somebody else's? Then what about the other three senses, the sense of touch, smell, and taste? Is there any credible and good way of connecting with the consumers? And that was a, bit, a little bit bold for us, I would say, saying that we'll go into this, you know, all the five senses. So on the sense of sight, we started optimizing and discovering the power of colors, not just any colors, but the shades of colors. When you talk about, for example, our logo, we still have a, we still have a red and yellow logo with the word MasterCard in it and the two circles interlapping uh, or overlapping. And uh, we found out that by slightly tweaking the colors, the shade red is now a different shade of red, the yellow is a different shade of yellow, and when you take away the name MasterCard, it becomes a symbol brand. People process things much better through symbols than words. It's a different part of your brain, more closely connected with your emotions and feelings that engages symbols as opposed to words. So we started moving away from it. So we said that's one part of a, one type of a visual engagement. In sound, jingles have been there forever and voiceovers are there forever. But we said, are, are they optimized? Shockingly, they are not. So we came with, came up with a 10 layer sonic architecture, sonic branding architecture. We have released four so far. And uh, we started really having a very holistic approach to studying the science of sound and its impact on people. And when I say its impact on people, just imagine you're watching a horror film with the volume turned to zero. The movie doesn't scare you at all anymore. It looks pretty silly. But then when you start increasing the volume at some point, it will really make you jump out of your seat. And beyond that, again, the effect drops off. So we said, okay, we need to understand these aspects, you know, the rhythm, the note, the melody, uh, and the level of volume. All these things we studied deeply and came up with our sonic architecture. And it really you know, uh, delights me to have been rated for MasterCard uh, for three years in a row as the world's number one audio brand. And it's very critical, particularly when people are interacting with the devices like smart speakers, where the entire interaction and engagement is via voice. There is no visual medium to showcase my beautiful symbol brand. So I need to get into sound. And this is what is helping me as an example. Then we said, how, how can we really get into the other three senses? So we started on the uh, taste side, uh, what we call as priceless tables. So it is about curating experiences in the culinary space, in the eating space, that money cannot buy, but you can get them if you have a MasterCard. And we literally run thousands of these priceless tables around the world in exotic locations, unexpected, and with the quality of food and the ambience is totally, totally delightful. And uh, it leaves you with very so, you know, positive and long-lasting memories, which we call priceless memories. Then we went into restaurants. So pre-pandemic, we launched restaurants. Unfortunately, during pandemic, we had to shut them down. 
But pre-pandemic, the results of those restaurants stunned us. So now post-pandemic, we have already opened three restaurants, one in Rome International Airport, one in Mexico City, and one in, is in Sao Paulo in Brazil. And so these restaurants, people go there, it's, they are named Priceless. And when you go into those restaurants, you have got such a fantastic experience there. And you come away feeling totally, totally, uh, what you call impressed mm. and with long lasting memories. So we started doing that and that enhances the brand. And lastly, the sense of uh, taste, uh, the sense of touch. We created uh, a card for the blind people. If you think about how blind people navigate the world, they use the other four senses that they have at a very large level and touch is one of those critical ones. So today, if you think about how does a consumer who is blind uh, differentiate between debit card, credit card, prepaid card, MasterCard versus some other card, how do they know that they are holding the card the right way up and the right orientation? So we came up with a very simple solution and created this card called Touch Card. With one touch, the consumer knows what kind of a card it is. Is it uh, oriented the right way? Is it debit card, credit card, or prepaid card, or is it MasterCard or not? All these just by one single touch. That's the beauty of the concept. So we launched that. <clears throat> it's actually going live before the end of this year in 30 countries around the world, so which I feel very good about. And the other one I forgot to mention is about the uh, sense of smell. So we launched two fragrances. They're called Passion and Optimism. Passion is red in MasterCard Red. Optimism is yellow in MasterCard Yellow. So these two fragrances we have launched created by two women. Uh, and these we, we wanted to support gender balance. So we went into uh, having uh, you know, two world-class uh, women perfume developers uh, work on it. The way the uh, ingredients are sourced, they are all from, in a very sust environmentally sustainable fashion. And the profits that we make out of this, these fragrances, they are given back to the communities in which the ingredients for these fragrances are grown. And so it, it's a complete holistic kind of an approach. Plus, for my brand, it gives a more upscale look and feel. It gives a tangible visibility for my brand, which would not have existed otherwise. So, for example, there is a departmental store in uh, Milan called uh, Le Renaissance, And I'm sure I'm mucking up the name <laughs> because of my strong Indian accent. But this is one of the very well-known... sounded good. Uh, sounded a very well-known restaurant, uh, uh, not restaurant, uh, departmental store chain uh, in Italy. So they stocked this fragrance before winter and it, before Christmas, and it has done extremely well last year. And now we are sort of taking it global and, and are going to have some interesting promotions and interesting activities around our fragrance. So this is how we are trying to involve all the five senses and get MasterCard into your heart and mind in a credible, authentic, and interesting fashion. Well, in keeping with that, I did want to touch on one of the other ways you, you connect with the senses uh, that seemed to me really surprising. The idea of MasterCard was having an album drop a few months ago, and the idea of, of a brand you know, having, having an album seemed to, you know, at first seemed kind of unusual, but then you think of how everyone's playlists are kind of an album and have a, a personal uh, sensibility that's being communicated there. So, but, you know, for a brand to do this was still kind of unusual. I, I remember reading about when record players first started being marketed about 100 years ago, you know, brands would put out albums to connect with, with consumers. So, but that hasn't been done in a while. So what inspired that sense of, of sound? So look at it this way. Firstly, 
as a company and as a brand, you want to be in the line of sight or line of vision of consumers. So if I gave you an advertisement and ask you to keep playing it again and again for yourself, will you do it? Well, of course not. Am I crazy or what? And, I, and people barely suffer through advertising, advertisements because they are watching some of the content or listening to some of the content. And this advertisement is actually an intrusion into their experience. It's an interruption to their experience. That's what ads are today. So we said, how do you change that whole paradigm? Two levels. Number one, how can I make you keep listening to my ad or about MasterCard? And how, to get it to your... Uh, what you call top of mind, so to speak. And number two, how can you make it interesting, not intrusive? So we said, we got a beautiful MasterCard Sonic brand. It's a melody which we want to have universal recognition. One way of doing it is a traditional, classical way of keeping on playing it in your advertisements ad nauseum. So hopefully at some point in time, you will be able to uh, sort of uh, recognize it. But to fast forward it, we have a different approach. So we said, let's create our own music. We will take very talented artists who are up and coming, work with a world-class composer and producer who works with the likes of Lady Gaga, Miley Cyrus, and Mary J. Blige, and put them together to create music. But every song that they create has to have a subtle infusion of the MasterCard melody. The hope is that the song will be so good that people will listen to it. When they're listening, they are listening to the melody of MasterCard. There is a recognition that forms and that slowly there is an association that forms and eventually there's an attribution that happens to MasterCard brand. It's a journey, it doesn't happen overnight. It's a multi-year journey, but it'll be fast-tracked in a big way if you were to go through this route. This was the hypothesis. So we created our first song. One of the songs we created was in Turkey. It's called Durma created by one of the top Turkish uh, artists. It became a phenomenon. Not only in Turkey, but it was being played, it became a phenomenon in South Korea. Wow. You know, that, that's a cross-border kind of thing. We said, wow, this is fascinating. Then we created a song called Dance Freak for Latin America by a group called Domino Saints. It went on to top the charts in four countries in Latin America, and it was a top 20 on the charts in 12 countries more, which is fantastic for us. And that's earned media, if you were to think about it, right? And the economics have been more than sort of paid for themselves, so to speak. So armed with that uh, you know, results and experience, we created our album, our first album called Priceless with this very reputed composer and producer and upcoming artists uh, who are incredibly talented. We created 10 songs and we call this album Priceless. They are from different parts of the world because we want to promote the diversity. They are from different genres, all the way from hip hop uh, to it's a uh, no, pop culture, a whole bunch of these and country. We brought those things together. Each song is really good, really, really very good. And uh, we launched it. Now one of those songs, uh, and this is a very recent anecdote, was liked so much by the British television they asked that performer to come and play it on the television. Imagine the amount of uh, what do you call earned media that I got as, as a result of it in that particular country. And this is just one anecdote. And my intention is from now on going forward, MasterCard will drop one album every single year. 
Well, we can't wait to listen to the next one, Raja. So always interesting to speak with you. And thanks for being on the podcast. Thank you, Todd. It's always a pleasure chatting with you. And you know, particularly because you are so knowledgeable and you have got fantastic experience. And I think I never realized that you could be such a podcast host too. I knew you in your uh, other it's... avatars, uh, <laughs> you know, as being an amazing uh, journalist and, uh, and, and an extraordinary marketer. So this is fantastic chatting with you. Thank you very much. And uh, look forward to doing it again sometime soon. I'm inspired by the versatility of MasterCard, clearly. Thanks Thank again, you, Raja. Sir. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to CMO Moves, part of the Adweek Podcast Network and ACAST Creator Network. This podcast was produced by Al Manorino, executive produced by John Heil, and edited by Lane McGibbony at Batwell Studios. You can listen and subscribe to all Adweek podcasts by visiting adweek.com slash podcasts. Stay updated on all things Adweek Podcast Network by following us on Twitter at Adweek Podcasts. And if you have a question or suggestion for the show, send us an email at podcasts at adweek.com. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 